first of all, I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. The question is, how can you grow in grace? How can you grow in grace? Or how can you grow to maturity is another way of putting it. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, that's okay. That's good. But what have you done since then? What have you done since you've been saved? I want to discuss this with you because I believe it's something that's in the Word of God and we need to take a look at it. So, number one there in your notes, spiritual birth must precede spiritual growth. You've got to get things right. First of all, you must know Christ as your Savior. All the other things about the Christian life doesn't belong to you. You have to be a Christian first. So here in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1, look in verse 23. Being born again, born from above, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. First thing that you have to do, if you want to go to heaven, you want to be a Christian, you have to be born again. That means you must trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Know that you have eternal life. Know that you're going to heaven when you die. And the reason or the only way you can know that you're really trusting Christ as your Savior and only hope of going to heaven is when you believe in eternal security. If you don't believe in eternal security, to be eternally secure, then you don't believe the gospel. The truth of the gospel is that when you trust Christ, He gives you eternal life and will never cast you out and never lose you. That's what makes it good news. It's not good news to have it for a day, for a week, for a month, for a year. It's to know that you have eternal life and know that you're going to heaven whenever you die. That's what makes it good news and that it's free. So it has to be free and it has to last forever. Any one of those missing, it's not good news. So that's why it's so important. First of all, you must trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Now look at letter A under that heading. Spiritual growth is all about progressive sanctification. All right. When you trusted Christ as your Savior, you were sanctified. It means you were made pure and holy and set apart. You belong to the Lord. That's why God says you are a saint. Now, you may not look like a saint, and you may not act like a saint, but you are a saint. You don't have to wait for time down the road to see whether or not, well, did I look good enough for people to vote me in as a saint? If you say, what does a saint look like? Look at me. You, when you get home, you look in the mirror and you say, thou art a saint. You say, how come? Because God says you are. Has absolutely nothing to do with how you live. You are a saint. God has declared you perfect and righteous and just and holy in his sight and set you apart. You are sanctified because of the payment Christ made on the cross for you. You have been declared a saint. Now, you may not live like a saint, this is why we talk about progressive sanctification, that in your Christian life, you begin to develop certain qualities in your life that a saint ought to have. In other words, there's things in your life that might need to be cut off. There might be things in your life you need to put in. So the Bible talks about putting off the old man and putting on the new man. So it's progressive. You don't just trust Christ as Savior and little baby, and all of a sudden, I'm an adult. 
It doesn't happen in life that way. If evolution was true, why did we give up one of the most important things of all? And that is, when a little monkey is born, did you know the next day he can be swinging on a tree? Try that with a baby. Why did he leave that most exciting thing of all, that he can get up and walk around and run around and swing around and all that? But a little baby is so helpless. He's so helpless for so long. He is totally dependent upon somebody else to take care of him. But do you want the little baby to stay a little baby all its life? No. Now, God doesn't want his little babies to stay little babies. He wants you to grow. So sanctification in your Christian life is just simply you growing in the Lord. You're growing in knowledge of the Word of God and learning how to apply it. That doesn't happen overnight. Look at letter B. While there is nothing wrong with being a babe in Christ, we all begin there. There is something definitely wrong if you remain a babe. Now, while you're right here in the book of 1 Peter, I want you to look down there in chapter 2. And look in verse 1. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking. In other words, there's things to put off. Then notice what it says in verse 2. As newborn babes. So a babe in Christ is someone, is a newborn. Now, if you never had this new birth, you're not a child of God. You've never been born into God's family. Now, you can live all your life. And you've heard people say, well, we know we're all the children of God. No, we're not. God says, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. So, therefore, you must be born again. You say, well, I don't remember ever doing that. Well, then maybe you haven't been born again. It needs to be a time in your life. You may not remember the day and the hour and all that, but you know there was a time when you trusted Christ as your Savior. Now, some people trust the Lord when they're very young, and that's great. And they don't know. I mean, here's a child that's three and a half years old, four years old. You know, I turned from a life of wicked sin. <laughs> and I threw away my baby bottle. <laughs> well, anyway, you are supposed to grow now as a child of God. Look in 1 Corinthians in chapter 3. Look in 1 Corinthians in chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And if you'll follow with me, we'll be able to get all of this done today. If not, we'll just keep going until we do get done. No. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and look in verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. Now, you know that you're a babe when you're born into God's family. The day you trusted Christ as your Savior, you were all of a sudden a spiritual giant. You may not even know anything about the Bible. You just don't know. But you trusted Christ as your Savior. It is the will of God that you begin to grow in the Lord. So you need to understand that. Look at letter C there in your notes. When God wants to produce a squash, it takes six months. When God wants to produce an oak tree, it could take a hundred years. Which one do you want to be? A squash or an oak tree? A uh, oak tree takes time. Some people are nothing but a squash. And it doesn't take much for them to be squashed. You heard about the mama tomato and the baby tomato? They were walking along and 
Baby tomato got further and further back. So mama tomato went back and catch up. That's where it came from. I knew you'd appreciate that. Y'all are, y'all are deep theologians here. Look at letter D. Letter D. The Lord has provided everything you need to provide salvation from sin's penalty. Now think about it. What you needed to save you from hell. He provided everything you needed. God sent His Son into the world. He lived the perfect life because that's what we had to have. We had to have a near kinsman. Somebody who was a human to live a perfect life, have no sin, and could be a substitute for it. And he died on the cross. God took care of all of this. He came back from the dead, paid for all of our sins. Whatever you and I needed to live with the Lord for all eternity, he provided everything. Now, for your Christian life, there's things that God has provided for you and I to mature in the Lord. Look at the next statement under letter D. He has also provided everything necessary for you to grow as a child of God. Every child of God needs to understand the ingredients that are necessary for them to achieve maturity. Now, when you're a little small baby, you don't know anything. Somebody has to kind of feed you a little bit and help you to listen and to grow. And God has an uncanny way of working and dealing with his children. And he's got children everywhere. And God allows things to happen in their life. He sends certain people at times in their life that are very important to help that person. It doesn't mean that all of God's children respond to God's intervention in their life. You'd be surprised when you get to heaven and find out how many times God has intervened in your life at the right time, but you paid it no mind. How that God sent just the right person with the right information to help you to listen, to grow, mature, and you refused. Some of God's children are rebellious. In case you didn't know that, I thought I'd tell you. They don't always walk with God. They're not always seeking to. That's why the Bible made this statement, desire the sincere milk of the word. Desire. That's something that you need to do. Desire this. You can desire everything else in the world, but it won't help you to grow spiritually. Spiritual food will help you to grow spiritually. The things of the world cannot help you to grow strong as a Christian. So that's why you need it. Another thing to notice here, look at number two. Spiritual growth takes time. It's not overnight. It takes time. And God is willing to give you the time that you need to mature. You see, there's things that God expects from somebody that's been saved for a while than those that haven't been saved for a while. So look there in your Bible to Hebrews in chapter 5. Hebrews in chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5 and look in verse 12. Verse 12, for when for the time you ought to be teachers. So there is a time limit in here. And the time is enough that you ought to be doing something that you're not now doing. So he says, for when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the work of God or the oracles of God. So growth takes time. God is willing to give you time. 
This is why when you come to church and you bring your Bible and you read and you study and you mark and you pray and you do the things that God wants you to do, you'll begin to grow and you develop a little bit more knowledge and a little bit more knowledge. Remember I told you that I used to sit there in church and Betty, my wife, she was raised in church all her life. She knew all the books in the Bible and she could just run through them. She knew different Psalms, memorized. And here I am with all of my pride. And I didn't know there was an Old Testament and a New Testament. I couldn't find any books in the Bible. And the preacher would say, turn to this scripture. Now see where she's turning to. And she would be there and I, I, gotta, I have no clue where to go. I could stand it. It forced me to learn the Bible. Because I hated being put down by my wife. I couldn't stand my wife being smarter than me. You know, it just does something to you. So it forced me to learn. So um, she still, I think, knows more than I do. Don't ask her, you know. It's enough that I can try to read her notes here. <laughs> you know what's a shame? There are a lot of things that I say that you don't believe, and then there's some things I say, and you believe every word of it. <laughs> you just believe the wrong thing. All right, look there in Hebrews chapter 5, and look in verse 13. You must study what it says is the truth. And the truth is this, in verse 13, For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. The word of righteousness means you're studying the word of truth. Thy word is truth. You've got to study the truth. So if you want to grow, you've got to know it takes you some time. You're not going to get there overnight. Some people want to rush it, and you can't rush it because, you see, it takes some learning and then takes some application. Wisdom is learning how to apply what you have learned to the experiences in life so that you yourself, you're growing and becoming wiser. You don't want to become a fool. You want to become wise in the things of God. And that's because you're studying the wisdom that comes from God. And God says that you can grow. Now look at your small letter A there under number three. Where it has, and we've already read the scripture, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Now notice down here at number letter B. Study to show thyself approved unto God. Now this is a scripture 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, and this is what it says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman. It must be that God wants every one of His children to work. So what is your work in the Lord? Every child of God is to be involved in the work of the Lord. But He says you study, and studying is there's desire and study. Desire it. Study it. That's on you. That's not on God. That's on you. But a lot of people will not desire the right thing. And then because it takes work, they don't want to do the work. They don't want to memorize. Well, I just can't memorize. It's because you won't memorize. You can memorize. You just won't memorize. It's just not that you, well, I can't study it. You can, but you won't. Christ made the statement to the Pharisee. He says, you will not come unto me that you might have life. He didn't say, you can't come. He said, no, you won't come. You could, but you won't. You can do what you really want to do. Is you don't desire it strong enough. 
And you won't study like you ought to. It takes time. It is effort. You say, well, I just don't have time. Yes, you do. You have time to do everything God wants you to do. You may load yourself down with a lot of things that God doesn't want you to do. And then you won't have time. But what are you doing between midnight and 7 o'clock in the morning? So while I'm sleeping. See there? Why are you sleeping? Because you want to. I'm trying to prove a point all. You don't have to eat three meals a day. Give up one of those meals. Somebody just went into cardiac arrest. Some of you maybe only need two meals a day. And then take that time, study the Word of God. It does take time, and it takes effort. But you're studying truth, and truth will make a difference in your life. You'll either study truth or you'll study a lie. Whichever one you want, that's what you're going to get. But desire it, that you may grow thereby. So take your Bible, look in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy and chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And this is a great portion of Scripture. Chapter 3, look in verse 16. And notice what the Bible says here. In verse 16, all Scripture, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. All Scripture is given by God. So that we can know what God wants. Look what he says. Is profitable for doctrine. What's right? For reproof. What's wrong? For correction. How to make it right. For instruction. How to teach it right. In righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect or complete, mature, truly furnished unto all good works, be able to do all God wants you to do. The Word of God is what that's for. Now, when you don't want to do what God wants you to do, then you don't have time to study the Bible. But if you do, you'll find time. You will make time. So the thing is, is what do you want? You're only going to live one time in life. There's no reruns, no instant replays. Just one trip through life is all you get. What are you going to do with it? You get one chance to live. This is the only time you get to serve God on this side of eternity. Don't you want to make a mark? Don't you want to accomplish something? Don't you want to take advantage of this opportunity that God's given to us? We can all give all the excuses on why we can't do it. But God says, it's my word. Study it. You'd be surprised what the word of God will do to you, what it'll do for you. I was talking to Peter Amato and was talking about the kids that go out soul winning. And some people always want to know, well, all those people that you led to the Lord, where are they? And how strong are they? And what are they doing? They may be running around in diapers. But I'd rather them run around in diapers than no diapers at all. I'd rather them be a babe in Christ and go to heaven than not to go at all. But you ought to see what it does to those who go. Those that do work with those kids and those that do go, you notice they grow. Haven't you noticed how that uh, Jan, who was up here just a minute ago, see how he's growing? See his concern? See the compassion? Have you listened to Jesse lately? Have you heard Peter Amato? They're doing the work. And when you do the work, you grow. You get stronger because you get involved and you do it. It will work. It always works God's way. So here in 2 Timothy chapter 3, study the word of God. It is profitable. 
Isn't that what you want? Look back here at your notes. Number four, spiritual growth requires spiritual teachers. I've had people say, well, I've got the Holy Spirit. That's all the teacher I need. Well, evidently, you didn't read what the Holy Spirit told you to read. When the Bible makes a statement, and we just read it just a minute ago over there in the book of Hebrews in chapter 5, when he says, for the time you ought to be what? Teachers. Well, if you're a teacher and you're supposed to be teaching, evidently somebody needs to learn something. You can't be a teacher if there's no students. So evidently God wants you to be a teacher, so there must be students, somebody to learn. Can you see that? You're smart enough to see that, can't you? So for the time you ought to be teachers. So is there wrong in having teachers teach the Word of God? I believe that it's what God wants us to do. Look at letter A on the number four. God has given to you the Holy Spirit as your inner and ultimate teacher. He lives inside of you. The teacher of the Word of God. But you know that Holy Spirit that lives inside of you? has already lived inside of a, a lot of the other older believers, mature believers, and the Holy Spirit that taught them can teach you. And you can learn faster. And you can grow quicker. And instead of taking you 20 years, you might be able to learn it in just a few years. This is why we encourage people to go to Bible college, so that you can learn. In a three or four years, what might take you 25, 30 years to learn? Because you're learning from the people who have already had the Holy Spirit in them, teach them, and now they're teaching you. You know, that's the way it is in life. We assume that parents know more than babies. Don't you? Don't we assume that it's going to be the parents that's going to pose to teach that little baby? And it learns how to walk, learns how to talk. And then you spend the rest of your life teaching them to shut up and sit down. <laughs> but you've learned. That's what you do. Look at uh, letter B there. The Lord wants you to know the truth, and He is willing to personally teach you through His Spirit who indwells you. Letter C. Always pray for spiritual understanding and enlightenment, like the psalmist says in Psalms 119. When he talks about in the 119th Psalm, Thy word is pure, making wise the simple, enlightening the eyes. More precious than honey and so forth. The word of God is rich and able to make those who obey it wise. And the chastening of the Lord and the things that you'll learn. All those wonderful things that God has given to us in the 119th Psalm. Look at letter D. God also gave teachers for the students. Take your Bible and turn to Ephesians in chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. So the Bible says that when Christ ascended into heaven, what is it that he first descended into the lower parts of the earth and led captivity captive and brought them out and gave gifts unto men? That's mentioned up there in verse 8 and 9 and 10. And gave gifts unto men. Now look what he says there in verse 11. And he gave some to the church, apostles, Prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. In verse 12, for the perfecting of the saints. Did you see the word teachers there? Well, if everybody has the Holy Spirit, you don't need a teacher. Just let the Holy Spirit teach you. Well, the Holy Spirit 
put it in the scriptures to have teachers teach you spiritual things. Is it possible that I might, as the pastor, be able to teach you some things from the Word of God that would help you to understand it better? I got a, a letter this morning from somebody in another state that heard one of my YouTube messages and emailed and says, thank you. That really cleared up. And he's a pastor. Really cleared up my thinking on this. And another one on Calvinism. They heard a message that I did on Calvinism. And I got another email. I have given some of these. I give them to Peter and I give some to James and I give some to Jesse and says, because there's too many, I can't handle all of them. But I figure that they can handle this one. They can handle this one. They can handle this one. Some of them, they got to dig and, you know, do a little work. But I figure they can handle that. But some of the ones I think, this is really hard. This is a good one. And I'll try to just take care of that. But you got to have teachers. That's what the Word of God says. Look what he says these teachers are supposed to do. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, to all come into the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect or mature man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That ye henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. But you learned what the Word of God says, so that you're not weak. Now let me ask you this. If you were asked to teach a Sunday school, could you do it? Say, yeah, I can handle that. Somebody else says, well, if you give me five-year notice. <laughs> I've enjoyed once in a while whenever I spring it upon the deacon board. I told the deacon, I says, be ready always to have a sermon at the drop of a hat. I said, I may walk into the pulpit and all of a sudden I get sick and I can't preach. And I says, the only time you'll have to prepare is from where you're sitting to the time you get to the podium. You better be ready or you're going to be very embarrassed. But I expect every deacon to be able to teach the word of God. Shouldn't I? Shouldn't you expect that from them? And so far they've been ready. They live in holy fear of every board meeting we have. I'm saying this because we have another one right after church service this morning. But to be prepared, be prepared. The Boy Scout motto, be prepared. On my honor, I will do my best. Take what they give me and steal the rest. No. <laughs> We're to be trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, cheerful, brave, clean, and reverend. There's 12 of them. The 13th Scott law was, uh, remember the other 12. But um, you're to study the Word of God. The Word of God says that. And there's this to be teachers. Look at letter D. There's a little part that I put in here. It's in bold, but I want you to look at this because you need to understand and consider this. If a church cannot present the gospel to you clearly enough so that you can be saved, it will not provide you with the sound biblical doctrine you need to grow. There's a lot of people who say, well, it doesn't really matter. I'm saved. I know the clarity of the gospel. So it doesn't matter where I go because I can stay strong. But if the church, the pastor, cannot truly make the gospel clear enough for people to be saved, why would you trust him on the Christian life? If he can't get this right, how do you know he's going to get that right? And isn't that important? But some people say, well, it doesn't really matter. It does matter. Everything matters. You're to know truth and stand for truth. 
contending for the faith. That bold again. If a church cannot present the gospel to you clearly enough so that you can be saved, it will not provide you with the sound biblical doctrine you need to grow because growing in the Lord is learning how to share the gospel. And if you're not clear on the gospel, you're not going to be as strong as you ought to be. You're not going to have confidence like you ought to have, and you're not going to be as bold as you ought to be. It does matter. Look at the uh, little letter F there. The reason that's so important because, you see, the gospel is your foundation. If you're not sure of your foundation, because you're not positive you're going to heaven when you die, how can you build a strong Christian life on sand? You're not sure. I talked to two people yesterday and I asked them, I said, where are you going to go when you die? I'm going to heaven. Just like that. I said, is there anything you can do to keep you from going to heaven? Oh, yes, a lot of things. I think, did he really know where he was going when he died? No. I said, you mean if you die today, but you don't know where you're going to be when you die. So you really don't know where you're going when you die. He said, I guess you're right. This was just yesterday, two of them. Oh, they were positive. And when I got to explain it to them, they were positive they weren't going. Because you see, you can't grow a Christian on insecurity. You'll never be strong in the Lord if you believe you can ever lose your salvation. Because the stability of the Christian life is all based upon your foundation. Is it a sure foundation? Are you really trusting Christ and Him alone? Then, because there is no other foundation than that is laid, which is Christ. Now, be careful how you build upon that foundation. I may shake upon the foundation, but the foundation will never shake under me. Look at the next statement, letter F. God provide tests for believers to give us opportunities to apply His Word. Over and over again, you'll see the word, He's unskillful in the word of righteousness. It means that He has not been tested. He hasn't been tried. This is why whenever you're talking about a pastor, which is what I do, you want to know and they want to know, well, what is your experience? Well, I just got saved last week. Trust me. I think if I told them that I've already had several churches and I've done this and that and the other, and I've already come and preached a number of times and blah, 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 blah. They had a little bit more confidence. True? Look at letter G. It's a good little story. Now, follow the little story because I'm just going to read it to you. God allows trials in your life to keep you dependent on Him and growing in grace in order to make you more like His Son. This reminds me of the story about codfish, where in the northeastern United States, these fish are not only delectable, but are a big commercial business. At one point, the supply of such fish could not keep pace with the demand, especially the demand for fresh cod. At first, suppliers would freeze the fish, ship them to various places, but the freezing process took away much of the flavor. So they experimented with shipping the fish alive in tanks of seawater. But this proved to be even worse since it was not only very expensive, but at the time of the cod arrived, they were soft and mushy. Finally, one creative person solved the problem with an innovative idea. 
The codfish was placed into a tank of water along with their natural enemy, the catfish. From the time the cod left the east coast until they arrived at their western destination, the catfish chased the cod all over the tank so that the cod were as fresh as they were when they were first caught. There was no loss of flavor, and their texture was not adversely affected. If anything, the cod were better than they were before. You see anything there? Do you wonder why you that want to serve the Lord... God seems like he opens up the floodgates and let the devil come and get you. And you're running like crazy trying to keep from getting trapped. But it kept you fresh and it kept you moving, didn't it? Because it you were scared to death that the devil is going to get you. And because you want to serve the Lord and be something and do something with your life, you were very much aware of all the tricks of the devil and he's always after you. And you're like a long-tailed cat on a fence with barking dogs on both sides. You are walking circumspectly. The Lord has allowed us in this world, as bad as it is, as wicked as it is, and it keeps us on the move. And it always seems like there's a battle going on. It's always battling, battling, battling. But look at the next statement, the next paragraph. Could it be, dear believer, that God has allowed a catfish in your tank to keep you turning in faith to the Lord and growing spiritually instead of getting soft and mushy and flavorless? Can you name the catfish in your tank? Who's that person that God brought alongside of you to be a, you know, a point of irritation? The other day I was talking to Angel and I walked up to him and I says, do I irritate you? Do I bore you? And I would harass him a little bit. Now, I wouldn't do that to somebody if I didn't like him. So I stopped. Anyway, <laughs> look back here at uh, the, the notion. Can you name the catfish in your tank? Perhaps you live with one of them. Or is it someone you work with? Isn't it time to stop the griping, complaining, and pity party? And start thanking God for the catfish in your tank? And how all things are working together for good in your life? Someone has said that a Christian is like a tea bag. Not much use until he's been through some hot water. So maybe God is bringing out the flavor by turning up the heat in your life. Putting you in a little hot water. You say, nothing ever happens to me. So you're soft and mushy, huh? Maybe you, God needs to put a, a catfish in that tank with you. To stir up your life a little bit. Do you expect to serve the Lord and to grow strong in the Lord without opposition? That's what makes you careful of every step you take. But as you begin to grow in the Lord and you become wiser, you begin to enjoy the trip. And then as you look back over your life, you can see, boy, the Lord, you ought to see what he did to me there. Man, he opened up the gates and man, everything happened. But the Lord walked me through it. The Lord never forsook me. He always stayed with me. And you grow and you grow stronger and stronger and stronger in your faith. Because one of these days, it's all going to be over. And you're going to wish you'd have had, you know, opportunities. You see, God gives you opportunities, but when you're not wise enough, you don't see them as opportunities. You just see them as problems. You, say, you don't know the problems that I have in my life. You mean opportunities. No, I mean problems. Problems are just unsolved. They can be solved. There is a way out of every situation. 
Look down at number five. Number five, spiritual growth requires trust. And this is why when you read the book of Hebrews in chapter 11, it's talking about you trusting the Lord, living by faith. So if you want to mature in the Lord, it's walking by faith. The Bible says in the book of Colossians in chapter 2, he talks about, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. How did you receive him? By faith. How do you walk? By faith. So is your faith in the Lord getting stronger? And if it gets stronger, then God has to send you bigger problems to increase your faith. And then bigger problems to increase your faith. You say, well, when did the problem get smaller? When you get to heaven. You're not there yet. You don't want heaven here. This isn't heaven. This is a war zone. And you're right in the middle of it. So look there at letter A. Walking by faith means putting God's word into practice. Letter B, you'll notice, God says, and I want you to see that 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Look in 1 Corinthians and chapter 10. You can look at some of these other verses later on your own time. 1 Corinthians in chapter 10, notice in verse 13. Verse 13. This is written to the believer, to the Christian. Because you're going to have problems. That's just normal. But those are opportunities for the Christian to grow. That the trial of your faith, being much more precious than gold and silver, though it be tried with fire, may be found on the praise, honor, and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptation, different testings. Count it joy. Boy, I got a lot of problems. You ought to see the opportunities I've got. I got to trust the Lord to walk me through this and this and this and this. There's no end to it. Lord, you can be soft and mushy and you never grow strong. You never have any backbone and you can just always be a weak Christian and let everything that happens turn you into a sourpuss. A lot of people just look like they've been baptized in lemon juice or something, you know. But here in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 10, look in verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But, and see those three words, God is faithful, who will not permit you, suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear. But if you don't know the Word of God, how do you find this escape? By the knowledge you have in the Word of God. God's Word gives you the escape. What to do when it seems like the world is falling apart? How do I do this? How do I solve this? Well, that's because of your knowledge of the Word. And you'll find your way out because of the Word of God. And he says that ye may be able to bear it, may be able, but you can't bear it if you don't know the word. That's why he teaches you. So if you're not strong in the Lord, I wonder whose fault that is. So look there at letter C. I put this in bold. And he said unto me, do you know that Geico can save you 15%? Anybody ever seen that commercial? Knows that. Oh, look what I have to. Everybody knows that. Yeah, but I wrote, but did you know his grace is really sufficient for you? For his strength is made perfect in we. Did you really know that? I thought they ought to have something like that on them. They'll let me write their commercials for them. 
Yeah, but did you know his grace is really sufficient for you? Was everybody know? No, but did you know this? Hmm. Not everybody knows this. And the last part of it, I got it underlined. If you're not hearing, because faith cometh by what? Hearing. hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you're not hearing, you're not growing. If you're not hearing, you're not growing. And you can't hear without the word. Do you see why? Some people that will get involved and they get to doing this and that and the other is because they're listening. And they want to hear more and more and more. Some people just want to see just how little they can get away with. Who are you hurting? You hurt yourself. You're robbing yourself of eternal rewards. See, going to heaven, that's because you trusted Christ as Savior. You'll go to heaven. But it's not all about just getting to heaven. Now that I'm going to heaven... What am I going to have when I get there? I don't know. Never been there before. But he says the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed. I know that whatever it is, it's got to be something. It's got to be awesome. And I just know whatever it is, I'll be glad I did. And if I don't, I'll be sorry that I didn't do what God wanted me to do. He said, abide in him, my little children, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be, what's that word? Not be ashamed before him and his coming. Do you think it might be possible some Christians are going to be ashamed when the Lord comes because they didn't do? But if you do serve the Lord, you'll be glad. And this is why it's so important. Look at the last statement here. Spiritual growth requires training. Proverbs chapter 22, just look at the scripture there in your notes. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Even the child of God must be trained. Do you believe you have to train children? Well, what's any difference in a spiritual realm? Don't children have to be trained? Did you know that Peter started the Friday night soul winning? And then he took James, Jesse, and trained Jesse. And now Jesse's training some others, and now others are training others. And it's just amazing. If they are shown what to do, it makes a difference. You have to be trained. You have to learn. Learn to do it. Train. 2 Peter 3.18 says, But grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But some people will not grow. And you will not grow because you will not hear. And you don't hear if you don't hear the Word of God. Look up here very quickly. This is you and me. This is sin. God says that He... He loves us. So God loves all of you. He loves you that are watching the internet. God loves us, but he hates our sin. And for us to pay for sin is eternal separation from God. Since we're guilty, we got to pay for it. So we are in debt to God. We have a sin debt. But God loves us, wants us to go to heaven, and none of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. We've all come short of God's perfection. Because of sin, we can't get in. So God says you cannot earn eternal life. You can't work your way to heaven. It means you can't be good enough by your good deeds. So going to church and giving money and trying to keep the Ten Commandments, all that, that won't help you at all. It won't even help at all. It won't get your little pinkies one inch closer to the pearly gates. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord, God in the flesh. Came into the world because he loves us. Hates our sin because our sin separates us from him. So Christ took the sin, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. He said that if you and I, if we would believe this, believe that he paid for our sins, he puts this payment to our account. It means I don't have to pay for my sins. He paid for all my sins. I don't deserve this. I deserve to go to hell. 
But he loved me. And he said, if he doesn't do it this way, there is no other way. He has to give it to me as a gift. He had to pay for all of my sins or he didn't help me at all. If he left one sin unpaid, it didn't help me. Either he paid for all of them or it's no good. So he made that payment. I believed that. And he gave me eternal life as a gift. I'm going to heaven when I die because I have no sins to pay for. He paid for all of my sin. The penalty for my sin is paid. Now that I'm going to heaven when I die, I want other people to go with me. I believe God left me here to keep spreading the gospel, keep getting the news out. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, if you have never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you right now in the quietness of this moment just talk to the Lord and say something simple like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner, and I believe Christ died and paid for my sins. And I'm going to trust him right now as my only hope of going to heaven. I believe he died for me, paid for my sins. And friend, if you'll believe that he did it for you, he'll put that payment that he made to your account. You get to go to heaven because, see, you have no sins to pay for. He paid for them, but you must believe he did it for you. Will you do that? If you've never done it before, but you say, yes, that made sense to me, and today I will trust Christ as my Savior, and preach, I'd like you to pray for me. Friend, would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Zane was all. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or come forward, but right where you're sitting, with heads bowed, eyes closed, so nobody's embarrassed, would you say, preacher, that made sense, and I will trust Christ right now as my only hope of going to heaven? Would you do that? Is there anyone at all? Just slip it up very quickly. If you have trusted Christ as Savior, or if you're watching by internet, and if what I said made sense to you, and today you trust the Lord, would you just click on the little button there on your screen? We'd love to know. We'd love to hear from you. Our Father, we thank you so much for all you've done for us. And help me, Father, to try to explain these things as honestly as I can. I know the time is short. I don't have a lot of time left. I don't know how many good years I've got left. But whatever they are, Lord, I want to try to teach and train as many as I possibly can. We ask your blessings upon each person here. And Lord, unless you work a work in their heart, it can't be done. But I just commit it to you. Bless them. We pray, Lord, that they'll have the desire and that they want to study and be what you want them to be. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.